reading is taken from um, Ephesians 4, 7 to 16, and it's the NIV translation. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you that you're waking up your church. Come on. So why don't we uh, just say to our hearts, thank you, heart, that you are alive because of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ, then do not go home without meeting the one who gave his life for you, who rose from the grave, and even now in heaven is praying for your life. Uh, but Lord, would, would we be alive and awake to all you're calling us to, to all you're saying and speaking? Now pray that what is of me would just be forgotten instantly at the end of this service. But Holy Spirit, you would speak to all of our hearts now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's great to see you all. Welcome. Um, if you don't know me, my name's James. Uh, I've, we've been welcoming new friends all the time through COVID. Uh, I have the privilege of serving as rector here. So if you're brand new amongst us, welcome to the party. Um, if this is your very first week or you're connecting online for the first time, uh, today is a part two about something, uh, a spiritual gift, the gift of prophecy. And I've got a picture to show you, um, a photo, which I'm just going to throw up uh, for a moment, which I think illustrates uh, what I'm just stirring up um, over this uh, next three weeks. And outside of our back door at home, we've got a, a shelter um, 
and there's some shelves on it. And over the winter, there's been, I think I'm rubbish at nature, is it a robin or a sparrow? A robin, <laughs> who's been building a nest in this shelf. And it's been building a nest. I think we've got a photo somewhere or other. And um, so we saw it be uh, beginning to build, and then it birthed some chicks. And in this photo, every time, um, once the chicks had sort of come out of their shells and hatched in the nest, great. Every time these chicks heard a noise coming near, what they would do is they would open their mouths wide. Look how wide they're opening their mouths, ready for their parent to feed them. I'm stirring up the gift of prophecy because Jesus answered the devil himself in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, and he said, A person cannot live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So in the same way that these chicks are like, ah, oh, have you got some food for us? Have you got some food for us? You know, I'm wanting us to position ourselves as God's church, ready for you to speak, Lord, individually and also corporately. Because it's really interesting, a lot of people are saying, God is doing a new thing, doing a new thing, doing a new thing. And we want to be ready to catch what he says in our lives as individuals and our life corporately. Can I just say, just forgive me, there's a chap um, there just next to Lily on Lily's left. Would you just stand up for a minute? Is that okay? I just turned around at the end of worship and I just caught your eye and I, I just felt, uh, I saw this picture of you were like a ship on a stormy sea seeking a port to find rest and refuge in. And this ship was just about surviving the voyage. And I just saw almost like a guiding tugboat, you know, that comes to rescue, coming alongside and towing you in, and you coming into a place of sanctuary and safety. And I don't know if that means anything to you, but I just want to pray over your life now. That if you are not safe, if you are not in the place of peace that you're meant to be, that God will meet you this morning and really guide you in. Do you know the safest place to be is having submitted our lives to Jesus Christ and just to follow him and lay our lives down to, to give him all there is. Because at the end of the day, this life will fall away, but Jesus and who he is will last forever and ever, ever. So I just want to pray that you will just find refuge and sanctuary like a, like a port in the storm in your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So. so my title this morning is Prophecy Unleashed. Are you ready? Yeah. Now, most churches in the world will not unleash prophecy because it's highly dangerous. <laughs> well, that's what most church leaders feel. <laughs> And so what I wanted to look at this morning is how, how does the Bible show us how prophecy is unleashed in the church? And as I do that, I'm just going to answer a few questions um, this morning. Bit of review. Um, last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 14 uh, verses 1 to 3 and we were looking at, at the gift of prophecy there and how it sets out that prophecy is for what? <laughs> for strengthening, 
encouragement and comfort for the building up of the church. So I got home and my brilliant 17-year-old son, who's listening like a hawk to everything we're doing, he said, Daddy, well, what about Revelation 2 and 3? Where Jesus seems to be ripping in flip mode on the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. And he sounds very Old Testament there and not like New Testament as we were reading this morning in 1 Corinthians 14. So he had two questions. What do you do with Revelation 2 and 3? And also, how do we handle a hard word which doesn't sound very fluffy and encouraging and strengthening and comforting? Is that a good question? I'm on, on, having to be on my metal, you know, with these young lions growing up in the home. Uh, so, again, we're not going to look at it now. Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus is speaking to seven churches. It's recorded in scripture, presumably because it's helpful for us all. Some hardcore stuff, but it made me go back to them. In every single one of those seven churches, he always finishes his hard word with a way out. Even Thyatira, in the middle of that, where it says Satan has his throne, even there, he says, but there are some of you, and if you hold fast, I will give you a way out. So I think that when, uh, so I think the sort of lens of not releasing destruction, but releasing life, to upbuild the church is still true in Revelation 2 and 3. Now, what do we do with a hard word is, to be honest with you, we seek every word to see if God is speaking to us. Because I know myself. I mean, who here is perfect? Yeah, one person at the back. <laughs> awesome. You're, you're incredible. Yay. Woo. Um, who, who is perfect? Yeah. We're growing and learning, aren't we? And, you know, I'd love to think that I always spoke in the most delicate, beautiful, holy way to... Louise. But occasionally, I don't. And it's the same with this. So when we get a hard word, we will honestly seek it. Is there something, Lord, that you want to speak to us about and show us and try and find what God is saying, even if it's buried under 99% of, you know, Jeremiah, <laughs> you know, the prophet of gloom and doom in the Old Testament. Okay, is this helpful? Yeah. Another question came in, which is, what do we think about psychics? This is a good question? Because they seem to hear stuff, don't they? So, this took me to... If you've got any questions, do message me on Facebook from our group or do email me, james.decas at chanctonbury.org.uk. Someone said, what do we think about psychics? So, we looked last week. We live here. We're seeking to hear here where God is. In heaven, where he is unopposed, where his ways are manifested completely and fully, and his reign is unrivaled. A psychic, somebody who is spiritual, is picking up this realm. So they'll get a few things right. Because in this realm, this is full of demons, and angels fighting them back, and a demon, a deceptive spirit, will always want to try and lead people in false deception by giving a few crumbs to follow. And so someone goes, I went to a psychic and they told me, they described my auntie and it was incredible. But what is heaven saying about you in your life and what you can learn about what is happening, you know, when you die and potentially what happened to your auntie and giving you insight? 
I just want to say, if we ever meet people who are listening spiritually, we need to remember that we have been given far above greater discernment and, and revelation that trumps anything going on here. It's a bit like where Moses comes before Pharaoh. Do you remember? And he says, hey, look what I can do. Uh, uh, and he says, I can throw my staff on the ground and it becomes a snake. And Pharaoh gets all his magicians and they can do the same. And what does Moses' snake do? He's got a big snake. And his big snake eats up all the other snakes. So when we need to be confident that when we're interacting with people who are spiritually activated but not knowing Jesus Christ, that he comes with much greater precision because we are able, because we're in Christ, to, to come right up here into the throne room of heaven and have accurate revelation speaking to that. Is that helpful? Okay. Third question. How does the prophetic look in the church? And, let's, um, and how do we roll with that um, here in our church? Let's look now at Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 7, which was read so brilliantly to us this morning by Helen. Um, thank you for that. So, everyone got a Bible? Oh, could, could we have this up? Fantastic. So, Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 7, each one of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Everybody has a gift, uh, an empowering charism, an empowering gift, um, because that's who we are in the body of Christ. We all have a part to play. The next couple of verses are referring back to a psalm, but it's basically saying when Jesus descended, he took captivity, all the things that have chained us and bound us, he took those captive when he gave his life on the cross. And when he ascended on high, he even made captivity himself captive. So all the things that change somebody's life have now been taken prisoner by Jesus, who holds the keys to freedom for every person. Now he's ascended on high. As he ascended on high, he gave gifts. Now these are different to the Holy Spirit's gifts. These are gifts of Jesus. And let's discover what they are now. Verse 11. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some would be prophets, some would be pastors and teachers, some would be evangelists. What are those gifts for? They are to equip the body of Christ to prepare, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. These five gifts are given to equip the whole body so the whole body may be built up and equipped not to sit here but to be equipped for the work of the ministry and what for? Verse 13, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. So, what does this look like? Are you ready for some drawing? I just tried to describe this now. Um, tried to picture this for us. So, is this Okay. I know you're far away. Someone clever can make me some graphics next time we do this. Um, this is the body of Christ. <laughs> um, and I was reminded that the body of Christ is also called the bride of Christ. 
Because I instantly went to draw a man, and then I thought, no, come on, we're the bride of Christ, aren't we? This is why she's got a skirt on. But she's also got very, very broad shoulders. So, <laughs> anyway, so just, I don't know, maybe, so the, the bride of Christ is a weightlifting woman. <laughs> okay, so anyway, there are some out there. <laughs> so this is the church, okay, as, as just has been described. This is to help us distill these verses and know what is pictured. Jesus is the head of the church. This is heaven. Jesus is the head of the church here. And connected to heaven is the body of Christ here on earth. And there are five gifts here given by Jesus, leadership gifts, to enable the whole body to work properly. Different to the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12 or other places, which are the Holy Spirit's gifts, which are available to us all. But some are given gifts which are leadership gifts. Apostolic, prophetic, pastoral, teaching, and evangelistic gifts so that the whole body works properly, matches its head, and is able to come into the fullness of who Jesus is here on earth. Is this all right? Okay. So how are those gifts ordered? To understand that, we need to turn back to Ephesians chapter 2, which I think we may have on the screen. Because there's a a specific ordering of these gifts and how they work and flow. We got that, Karen? In Ephesians 2, picking up at... Um, let's pick up at verse 18. I'm just going to read, and then Karen, you can help us when we find it. Um, Paul's been talking about the bringing together of Jews and the bringing together of Gentiles by the blood of Jesus. Verse 18... For through him, Jesus, both of us, both groups, have access in one spirit to the Father. It's incredible, isn't it? Verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. Built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Verse 21, in him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. So forget the weightlifting woman for a minute. Paul is giving the picture of us as people as the temple of God, the corporate body of Christ, the temple of God. And he says how this is ordered is it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. Okay? Now, some would say, is this referring to, you know, the first apostles and maybe the Old Testament prophets? Well, that doesn't seem to make sense, because if it was referring to that, then why would you only refer to the Old Testament prophets and not the law and the history of God's people as well? It seems to be referring to how Jesus orders the church Jesus is first, the first foundation stone, and then the joining together of those with apostolic gifts, those with prophetic gifts. Okay? I'll show how this is interesting to all of us in a moment. Is this interesting to you? Okay. So let's see how that fits together. So let me try and go one back. Um, so how this fits together in terms of these gifts is that those with apostolic gifts 
see heaven. Okay? They see the fullness of what we should be and live with a perpetual ache that earth where we live, zone one, should become like zone three. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, here in zone one on earth as it is in heaven. And the apostolic vision and mandate is to see into the heavenly realms and to call it into being down here. Okay? So take our church vision 2033. In that church vision, you see a, a, a vision of the kingdom. You don't see any of the harder bits. Or any, you don't see lazy people. <laughs> you don't see all the, all the little snipes of the enemy along the way. You are seeing, boom, this is what God's kingdom looks like invading where we live. Does that make sense? Now that is awesome, 2033, isn't it? Like, like in terms of a vision. Let's see that here. Who's up for that? Who's perfect? <laughs> Who's up for that? 2033, yeah, who's perfect? Yeah, yeah. Right, brilliant. Um, but the prophetic gift is released on the church so that we know what to do as we go along. And so the prophetic gift is then saying, right, right now we should be doing this. Right now, we need to give attention to this. So I remember in um, probably 2017, the prophetic gift amongst us began to say, okay, God is saying, come and know me as Father. Now that wasn't in our strategic plan, or it wasn't in the stepping stones we laid out. But my goodness, looking back, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because if we're going to get all the kingdom coming, and we don't know the Father... And his love, which heals our hearts, deals with our emotional rubbish, clears away our fear, dismantles our insecurities. That's what his love does. So that when he releases his kingdom, we don't hurt each other with it. Does this make sense? So the prophetic gift starts saying, oh, come up, come and know me as father. So that we can steward this whole thing safely. Does this make sense? So... Back to our passage, and the question that I just have been trying to answer for us a minute is that in this passage, so the question that I want to bring out for us now is, are there prophets in the New Testament? Because a week ago I was saying to you that we're all called to prophesy, aren't we? According to 1 Corinthians 14, I, I, Paul says, I wish that you would all prophesy. But are there prophets in the New Testament? Well, it seems to me that there are some, given the leadership gifting here in this context, and let's remember what it's for, it's to equip the whole weightlifting body. <laughs> so a prophet, in distinction to the Old Testament, a prophet in the New Testament, as a leadership gift, is not to be the one declaring the word of God that nobody else can hear, but the leadership prophet here is one who is equipping the whole body and helping coach and mentor and, and build up the whole body so that we're all hearing God, we're all prophesying, we're all in step with what he's saying to us individually and corporately. Again, we might want to look at a couple of places in the book of Acts. Who knows a guy called Agabus? 
He appears a couple of times in Acts 11, in, in, in Acts 11 and in Acts 21, where he brings a word. You know, the, the word he brings in Acts 21 is where he prophesies a famine, which again sounds, doesn't sound very 1 Corinthians 14, very upbuilding and strengthening and encouraging. But he prophesies a famine, and then the writer tells us, and this happened. But what, what does the church do in response? It tools up. It gets ready. And it starts taking offerings to help those who may be in need when the time of affliction comes through the famine. So it seems to me, and he's described as a prophet, it seems to me there were prophets and teachers in the church at Antioch who heard the Holy Spirit to commission Paul and Barnabas and send them out. Now the downside is, with all these gifts, is where we start self-appointing. So I would say personally, the gift I operate in most is the apostolic. But never, ever let me sign off an email saying, from Apostle James. <laughs> you know, and, and it's kind of like, we, <laughs> the people who give you designations, like if, if we, you know, when we start saying, I'm a prophet, you know, whatever. It's like, no, that is something the church says to you. So if the bishop wants to say, James, start referring to yourself as Apostle James. Then, then you know, I'll go, well, that feels awkward. <laughs> um, <laughs> but do you see, it's not about the name and the title, but it's about the flow of the gifting for the building up of the body. Is this all right? Okay. I want to just cover a couple of other things, and then I'm just going to lead us in some prayer. I think what I would say, if you are feeling stirred to not only hear God, but also be an equipper, can you just talk to us so we know who you are? Now, we all love it, and we all love everything. You know, Louise and I often say, we love kids' work, we love marriage ministry, we love evangelism, we love prayer, we love, we love it, because we just love the kingdom and the church and everything in it. But if you are, as your number one thing, feeling stirred, to just help people grow in the prophetic. Can you just talk to us if we don't know who you are? Now, I just want to run through five heart characteristics for prophetic people that is going to sustain the unleashing of what God wants to do. Are you ready? Just some reflections over the years that are going to help us unleash the prophetic well in the years to come. Reflection number one. You ready, Karen? Because I haven't got this in my Bible. <laughs> I'm hoping you will come out with this very, very soon. Yeah, brilliant. Next one. Fantastic. Now, those of us who love hearing God, let's also intentionally foster a heart to build others up. This gift is released for the building up of the church. Intentionally foster that to build others up. I'm not saying these things because, like, you know, you're all horrible and don't do this. You do it brilliantly. I'm just saying for us to steward this in the years to come. Just first heart characteristic. Just fostering heart to build others up. I exist to make others go higher. That's our heart, our mindset as we're operating in, in this gift. Second one. 
loving Jesus' church like he does. Do you know how deeply he loves his church? That he would... Ephesians 5, if we read on into the next chapter, you know, Paul basically takes a bazooka out and smashes any husbands. He basically says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and lays his life down for it. Do you know, wouldn't it be awesome if we just grew the most mature prophetic ministry that loved the church of Jesus? And sometimes when we can hear what God wants to... I mean, I feel like I live with this sometimes. A, like, a, a, a deep love and a deep pain for the church to become all that she's purposed to be. That sometimes makes me weep, you know, that we would become it quicker and become who, who God has laid, laid down his life for us to become. But we can't be prophetic if we don't love the church and we definitely can't if we're not in church, in the body, and present to all that he wants to do and to say. Now, I'm kind of, you know, just saying that in terms of our culture for the prophetic as we go forward. I'm kind of preaching at the choir because you're all here at church. But if you ever meet folks who describe themselves as prophetic or love it, who aren't in the body, it just doesn't function and doesn't flow. We've got to love his church and be present and serve and turn up. Number three. Whew. Okay. Ruthlessly exposing and dealing with any lust for power. Do you remember that story about Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8? He's seeing Philip who goes down to Samaria. And Philip is just kicking the whatever's out of demons everywhere. People are getting healed. The whole city's lit up with joy. It's incredible. And Simon the sorcerer kind of believes. And then he starts observing the release of the Holy Spirit. And then he starts offering money. And the apostles deal with him and say, you will have bitterness throughout your life because you tried to buy the very gift of God. Now, how does that relate to us? Man, we can love Sometimes, just how powerful it is when we're flowing in the prophetic. But let's always love the giver of the gift and not the gift, first and foremost. Let's love the living word who releases his now word to us that we have the privilege of stewarding as servants to the body. Does this make sense? And just avoid at all costs the seduction of the lust for power. Is that all right, everyone? Number four. Here we go, let's ruthlessly expose and deal with any lust for control. In 1 Corinthians 14, as we read on, the prophetic is released for it to be weighed. If God is releasing a word through any of us, that word belongs to God. And so he then is responsible for seeing that word fulfilled. And so we can release it freely. Because he will, he will deal very firmly if that word is not received or rejected. He will just boom. You know, if any of us have been in a church where a word hasn't been received, let's not forget it's the Lord that deals with leadership if it's ever being hard-hearted or not listening to the Lord. And so it releases us from having to feel really het up and frustrated about it. Is this all right? Number five. Intentionally fostering intimacy with Father. 
and his children. You know, I think, I just really want us in the coming years to see such a powerful, mature, prophetic ministry released amongst us as a church. But if we're prophetic, we've got to be running to the Father to deal with our hearts, to deal with any soul wounds, to be walking in his love, and to play that out in intimate friendship with his children. And to be intentionally fostering that. Is that okay? I just, I hope that's alright. I just wanted to sort of sketch the boundary for us to sort of really run with this. Not because I'm concerned about, you know, individuals. That would be my responsibility to approach people individually. But for us to see how this thing can grow and grow powerful and mature as we go forwards. Right, let me bring this um, to a close. I want to finish with, um, with this. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, we had a, a series of... Is this all right, people? Yeah. Uh, we would grow up into the fullness of Christ. As that passage goes on, not blown about by the wind and the waves, tossed around like children, but we would grow into the fullness of Christ. And what that means, that's never an inward-looking thing. Uh, we as the church, the, the vision Paul is setting out here in Ephesians 4 is that the world will be able to look at the church and it looks just like Jesus. That absolute connection. He is not physically here on earth. Jesus, the man, the risen Jesus, he's in heaven now. But he, gloriously, look around at everybody here, has appointed the church to manifest who he is to the world in who we are, how we love him, how we love each other, and how we love the world. And that's what, that's what his plan is. So look around. It's on those guys sitting next to you. <laughs> you up for it? So let me finish with this. We were, we were visited a couple of years ago, um, a few times, by uh, folks from outside. And some of them were prophetic. And one of the things that um, they released over us as a church, which I think is really true. Because uh, one of the things they released was that one of the core gifts for us to offer to the world, to the communities, and beyond ourselves, is revelation. For, uh, one of the gifts for us that we're called to become is a prophetic church. And, you know, I look at our church body and so many people are activated, you know, and have a desire to hear God. But what would it look like if we just went up multiple levels in our clarity of hearing the Lord, in our ability to steward those words, and in our boldness to be able to steward that well as a church, so that when God releases a word, a bit like um, an embryonic... Um, fertilized egg within us that it grows to its full uh, I'm going to mix metaphors fruition so that it's able to be born and become all that it's purpose to be I don't know if that makes any sense at all <laughs> fertilized eggs and fruit and whatever that we would just know how to handle the, the, the waterfall of revelation that God is pouring out 
know how to respond to it, know how to change our lives as a church, and then know how to walk forward with it as we go, as we go forwards. You know, I'm looking at the 2020s thinking there is such a rebuilding job of society that is needed. And there are so many messages telling us how to do it. But I tell you what, I feel like, I feel like the word of the Lord has not been released in the land yet. I feel like this is where we're still standing, waiting for the Lord to speak, rather than just rep- replicating and mirroring what society and culture is telling us all the time. I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm sort of speaking a bit prophetically now. And so I just want to sort of close with this. Um, and I was just asking the Lord, like, what are you saying this morning for us as a church? And straight away I had two things. Number one, I had just an alarm clock going off and a cockerel crowing. And I feel like, I feel like the Lord's saying, wake up to what he is saying, church. Rise from your bed. Ephesians 5 will say, rise up sleeper from the dead. Rise and shine and Christ will shine upon you. So I just want to say, will you just stand to your feet now? And we've got a few minutes now before we need to go and collect children. I'd just like to lead us in, in a time and just welcome the Lord here. Welcome him amongst us to come and speak. To come and show us what he's, he's doing and saying. I feel, I feel like there's an alarm clock going off. Not in emergency, but in raising us, in waking us up to take us into the very throne room of heaven, into the heartbeat of God, to hear what he's saying. And so I just feel like God just wants to come now and begin to just awaken our prophetic senses to awaken our hearts, to awaken us to who he is and to what he's saying. And so I just want to say, come now, Holy Spirit, would you begin to fall upon each of us now in this room, wherever we are, wherever we are. Whether we've prepared loads, whether we are just whatever, would you just come and fall upon us now? We yield before you, Holy Spirit, and say, In these next few minutes, you are welcome here. You are welcome here in this church. You are welcome here in our hearts. We make way for you now. We make way for you now. Do you come and rest on us almost like the manna falling from heaven into the wilderness there it is almost <laughs> like manna just falling in the night just gently but coming with food for the soul just come Holy Spirit now that's just all of us just say in our hearts Holy Spirit I welcome you I welcome you. Come speak. Come speak to me now. I rise to you.
become more narrowed, more narrowed, more narrowed. If some of you are just sensing the Holy Spirit on you, just raise a hand. Yeah, several of you. Would you just look around and just begin to release that? We're going to honour our guidelines, but we're just going to begin to just release that over everybody. Just look around you, just begin to just give it away. Just begin to just bless everybody around you. Thank you, Jesus. We welcome you here. Thank you that you're here. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. If you're not feeling anything, that's absolutely fine. Quite a few of us are. Thank you, Lord. If you've been given the gift of praying to the Lord in another language, and just quietly, just in your mouth. I think one or two of us here are struggling to keep it in. So, <laughs> just We're, we're going to honour one another and honour the guidelines, but we're just if the Lord's on you, you can just release Release a, release a cry, release a giggle, release a prayer, and let's just pray and, uh, and just release our spirits to the Lord. If, if you're brand new in here and, and that would be strange or, or, or whatever, please don't worry. Um, it's all in scripture, it's all in the Bible. We were reading from it last week about speaking in another, another language, another tongue. And um, this has been one of the beautiful gifts of the Holy Spirit over the last 2,000 years that he gives to the church. So just, just begin to pray and uh, draw near to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we say even amidst COVID, you want to bring your kingdom and change your people and fill us up with your life, fill us up with your glory. So we welcome you, King of glory. We welcome you amongst us. We welcome you. Thank you for your nearness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power amongst us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We enthrone you, Lord. We enthrone you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. And you get some weird noises. Just thank the Lord it's them and not you. <laughs> Do you 
you know, the Bible, Bible says that we have a witness to the Holy Spirit. And, you know, sometimes that, that's a, a funny noise. Sometimes that's just a deep sense of assurance and peace, whatever that is. Lord, just come, come, come. Thank you, Jesus.
right now. So, so Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your nearness. Thank you for your, your love and your power amongst us. We say as your people, you are worthy of it all. Everything is all from you. It's all about you and it's all returning to you, Lord. We honour you here. Bless you all. Lots of love.